Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome in to episode three of Behind the Plate with Marin and Nate, and along with Hale Varsity softball writer Marin Angus Combs. I'm Nate Rohr, the voice of Husker softball, as we open up week three of this podcast and take a look at all things Husker softball, Big Ten softball, college softball. Of course, we're just about ready to open conference play. The Huskers will open league play at home against Purdue this weekend, and then they'll take on the Iowa Hawkeyes in the midweek doubleheader, and we'll be joined by Iowa head coach Renee Gillespie and get a look at what the Hawkeyes have done to this point in the year, and I can beg forgiveness for how I have power-rated them or unpower-rated them uh, throughout the season, but we'll be interested to talk to Renee Lures-Gillespie about her team, and uh, just, Marin, we'll start with that. What are your impressions of Iowa thus far? Yeah, Iowa, I, I've i been so high on Iowa so far this year, and it's simply because I, I watched them in person, and they passed the eye test for me, and they've got, their, their pitching staff has been tremendous vasquez has really turned it around Mm -hmm. they have the freshman jalen adams they've got uh delaney lecker lecker thank you Uh, (laughs) um depending on you for some of my (laughs) (laughs) yes you type i talk (laughs) that's how it goes um and it's just and and delaney's a two-way player Mm -hmm. she's able to give you some innings and she's she is the power in that lineup she's Mm -hmm. I mean, far and away the most RBIs on in that lineup, and it's just, they're just a fun, gritty team to mm-hmm. watch, and they're under the radar. Like Iowa doesn't really, at least for softball, they right. don't. They they're not flashy. They're not at the top of the standings every year. They're just kind of there. Yeah, And I think this year they're really going to give some teams a run for their money. Well, they certainly have a lot of depth in their pitching staff. Team ERA under two uh, as action begins this week. And, uh, you know, it was an Iowa program that once upon a time stood with Northwestern and Michigan among the top of the Big Ten Conference. However, uh, since the retirement of Gail Blevins, it's it's just felt like that program is kind of wandering in the woods. And I know Renee Gillespie is trying to turn it around, but uh, she just has not been able to do it to this point. But it seems, again, like they at least have the pitching staff to get it done. I, I don't know if the offense is there yet, and we'll certainly – Uh, Get a look at that here in the next week where they start at Penn State, arguably the best pitching staff in the Big Ten, and then they'll host Nebraska for a pair. So that's jumping into the deep end. So we're going to get a really good impression of where Iowa Mm -hmm. is uh, in the first week of Big Ten play. But, of course, this podcast uh, takes a pretty deep look into the Cornhuskers. And so let's talk about Nebraska softball, Nebraska 19-9 
on the year, a three and one week last week. Uh, Nebraska sweeps Omaha in a doubleheader that I know you took in over at Connie Clausen Field. Uh, then, because of weather, they were only able to play two games. We know we were concerned about uh, the weather when we chatted last week, and as it turned out, the weather was horrible. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, at any rate, Huskers go down to Lawrence. They hammer Kansas City 12-2, which was expected, uh, but then they lose to Kansas 6-4. The Jayhawks come from behind to defeat the Huskers, and really a disappointing loss in my book, uh, Marin, as I, as I look at it, because, I mean, Nebraska got out to the early lead. Any worries that you might have had about the Huskers spinning their wheels, long week off, starting slow, those were dispelled. Uh, then Kansas is able to chip away. They get a run in the first, and then Nebraska boosts the lead to 3-1. And then that fifth inning, Sarah Harness uh, struggles out of the bullpen for Nebraska. And, and that's not a good sign for the Husker team. Nebraska needs Sarah Harness to get people out, and she was not able to do it against Kansas. She walks two. She allows two hits and if the Huskers are to succeed especially with Kaylin Kinney out Harness is going to have to pitch better she really does and it's going to be interesting to see how they continue to use the the two pitchers right because that's really all there is is two pitchers and we're seeing Courtney Wallace start games and then having to come out of the bullpen in the next game Mm -hmm. and you're going to overuse her. I, I hate to say it, but Courtney Wallace isn't, she's not Montana Fouts. No. She's not, she's not going to strike out everyone. She's going to pitch to contact. She's going to need to, her defense is going to have to get outs behind her. And the more you have a contact pitcher like that throw, the more she's going to get hit. Right. And you put that defense out there. I think Nebraska feels pretty good about what they have defensively, but just the more chances they have, mm-hmm. um, the the tougher it's going to be for them. But you just worry about overexposure where, uh, you know, if Courtney Wallace has to face a lineup seven times, eight times in a weekend, it's going to be very difficult for her. Yeah. Uh, and, and from an offensive standpoint, that puts a ton of pressure on you. And maybe that's the operative word in all this pressure, because mm-hmm. when Sarah Harness was at her best in the early part of the year, Kaylin Kinney was there right. and Courtney Wallace was there. And so you had any of three pitchers on whom you could rely to start. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're not going to play more than two games in a weekend. So you sit there with the idea that that you've got a really good pitcher in the bullpen that you weren't planning on starting. And so you, as Sarah Harness or Courtney Wallace or Kaylin Kinney, can feel like you've got somebody behind you. As the pitching is set up now, you know, Courtney Wallace is starting game one. She'll start Friday night against Purdue. She'll start the first game of the Iowa doubleheader. She's your ace right now. As Sarah Harness, game two is yours. You must throw well in game two. And unfortunately, I wonder if that pressure has gotten into her head a little bit uh, as as she throws that second game and as uh, she thinks she has to be too fine. She has to be too perfect. And and remember, Sarah's coming off an injury from last year, so uh, she's not 
she there are times where she's looked at a hundred percent, but you, you know it's one thing to come out firing at the beginning of the year. It's another thing a month into the season, six yeah. weeks into the season, to still be sharp. And unfortunately, Sarah's Sarah's not there right now. Yeah, but maybe playing Purdue mm-hmm. to open up conference play is is a blessing in disguise oh, because. Sure. Watching Purdue play over the weekend at Ole Miss, that was a that's a that's a team that's on the struggle bus. Mm-hmm. And um, as a pitcher, you know going in, they have one phenomenal hitter in their lineup. Everything else is average or below average. Mm-hmm. So when you attack that lineup, attack the top of the lineup, and then you can take a deep breath and relax maybe a little bit. Sure. Um, but like you said, you got it. You got to be. She's got to be on it because right now she's got double digit hit batters. Mm-hmm. Her strikeout to walk ratio is almost two to one. Uh, however, you just gotta you, you gotta think maybe maybe the the pressure's getting to her a little bit. Mm-hmm. Maybe I don't know. Well, you, you know, against Kansas didn't retire a batter and, and that Kansas lineup's okay, but they're, they're bottom half of the big 10, even against Omaha, she was not dominant. And, and that math yeah. lineup is decent, but they're not, uh, they're not a lineup that, that really wows you. They're not a top notch no. mid-major lineup. They've got a few decent hitters toward the top, but, but you felt like that was an opportunity for her to get right. She didn't allow a hit, but she walks to and allows a run. And so even against Omaha, it's still not sharp. It's still where, where you might walk out to the circle feeling like, okay, I'm good because they aren't, they're, they're not going to do much against me. No. Uh, and, and so it's a tough spot for Sarah. I, I know, like I said, she's coming off an injury. She was the ace for Southern Illinois last year. And, and so she's used to a big role in the circle for, whomever she's pitching for uh, but right now she's she's just wild and you need to be able to rely on her every time you give her the ball especially with Kaylin Kinney out and right now you just can't do it and and perhaps even quite the opposite so and, and you don't want to pin a loss on on somebody individually I mean Nebraska put up four runs in that game against KU and Maybe you ought to be able to do a little more than that against the Jayhawks. And, but, but at the same time, the pitching position is so important, and we know that in all bat and ball sports, baseball, softball, doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. You need to be able to pitch it, and you need to have a couple people to pitch it. And, and right now, Nebraska just simply does not have that. Yeah, and as we go into conference play with two pitchers, that that Nebraska is relying on the offense is going to have to come through in mm-hmm. in more ways than one and I my my opinion my theory on this is especially this weekend they need to jump out early they need to jump out mm-hmm. often I honestly think they need at least one run rule win to yeah. shorten up the weekend yeah to save innings right uh, especially in a space where you have five games in five days. I, I think you're exactly right. I, I think if you're the offense, you've got to put it on yourself and say, all right, you know, our pitching carried us the first 
two and a half weeks of the year. Yeah. It, it's time to put them on, on our backs and take care of them and give them some margin for error. And I think you're exactly right. Uh, this team needs to look to put up first inning runs. And, and it's been pretty good about doing that this year. I mean, for heaven's sakes, Billy Andrews has five leadoff home runs this year. But but you need to put up some first inning runs, some first time through the order runs just to give Sarah and Courtney some breathing room and some margin for error. The good news is I think against this Purdue staff, you're going to be able to do that. Yeah. And if you look at Purdue, what they're coming off of, right, they're coming off of a loss to North Dakota State. They mm-hmm. they beat Samford, who, who beat Ole Miss. Uh, they beat St. Thomas six to two, but they got run ruled twice against Ole Miss. Right. And that's what you have to work off of. Mm -hmm. You know, there, I mean, you hate to, to kick someone when they're down, but I mean, in this case, you got to kick them when they're down because that's, you you need to shorten games. You need to cut innings and, and, you know, let's profile Ole Miss. I mean, they're not. They're not winning the Southeastern Conference. This no. They're, they're going to they're gonna have an uphill <laughs> climb to make regionals. Now, you know, the last couple of years, everybody or basically everybody has made it from the SEC to regionals. So they could be a regional team. But that just goes to show they were able to do that against Purdue. And hopefully this Husker lineup is able to do likewise because I – they. Right now, I think there's a little teeth gnashing. There's a little worry, mm-hmm. a little uneasiness. Uh, you know, it, until the Wichita State weekend, I think you could say Nebraska had met or exceeded expectations. Yes. To that point in the year. Lose both of them at Wichita State. You know, by themselves, losing two games to a ranked team on their home field is bad, but it is not bad. But I do think it's a black mark to not find a way to win one of those games. But, you know, tournament season stuff happens. Okay, that's fine. But the the Kansas loss casts everything in a different light because you're talking, you know, Wichita State's going to regions. Right. They very well could win the American Athletic Conference. Uh, They have one of the top lineups in college softball. So you don't like that you lost to them, but you feel – you can explain it yeah. is, is the short of it. Kansas, on the other hand, there's not much there. And, and you know, you, you look at how you build an NCAA resume. This Kansas loss is probably going to go in the bad loss column. And I, Yeah, I would agree with that. And, and, you know, again, by itself, it it isn't damning. I mean, hey, Nebraska lost a couple games to San Diego last year and was able to overcome it. But the fact that it comes on the heels of 0-2 against Wichita State, it becomes a trend at the absolute worst time. But, you know, I, I mentioned this you, to you uh, before we began. Last year when Nebraska got done with the Kansas weekend, they were 19-9. and Nebraska right now is 19-9. and And yet, I I don't know that you feel as good about this team as you did last year's. No, but I would 
cue the Twilight Zone music nah. right there. <laughs> so, so that means Nebraska is going to go on an 18-game winning streak. I think that's I'll take that, it. That's precisely what that means. Boy, if they did that, I'd be all right. <laughs> that that would mean that would mean a very good chance uh, at a Big Ten championship for Nebraska, and of course, that would mean the Huskers would go through and they'd beat Michigan and they'd sweep Maryland. Man, that would be a big time. Uh, start to Big Ten play for the Huskers and and really set them up well uh, in the early part of Big Ten play. Uh, we'll talk a little more about the Big Ten as we go along here, Marin. But uh, as conference play begins, just what are your overall impressions on the league, and and what are you looking forward to in this this first week of league play? Yeah, I this past weekend, you're. Your pick of Northwestern. <laughs> there they are. They have arrived. <laughs> yes. I've been, I've been holding that stock for a little while nervously, but. They have arrived. The Northwestern came on. They, man, that was a good weekend for them. It, sure. was, a, it was a good weekend for Danielle Williams. Mm-hmm. Uh, they beat Auburn twice. Auburn's ranked, ranked in the top 25. I mm-hmm. believe they've were ranked number 21. However, getting two wins against a ranked opponent is, is phenomenal. And that was not an easy tournament field that they played in. They were in Oklahoma city, right? They, they hosted by the, those Oklahoma Sooners. And and they played them tough, played them within a run. So that was impressive. And uh, we'll talk a little more about the big 10 as we go along here, but we are pleased to be joined on Behind the Plate with Marin and Nate by the head coach of the Iowa Hawkeyes. She has arrived. Her name is Renee uh, Gillespie, and she leads the Hawkeyes as they prepare for the first week of Big Ten play. They'll start out at Penn State and then host Nebraska in a doubleheader uh, next week. And Coach Gillespie, first off, welcome in. What are uh, the overriding impressions you've had of your Hawkeyes through the first month or so of the season? You can hear me okay? I can yes. hear you great. Thank you. Can, can you hear me okay? Okay. I, okay. I, I wasn't sure how this thing was working. So <laughs> give me a second here. Um, yeah, we, we really, um, you know, six weeks on the road has, has been a really tough uh, schedule for us, um, being in California, Florida, um, getting a chance to see some great competition throughout the season. Um, very young team. Um, at times, we may have six freshmen starting for us at, in any one game. So, um, just excited where we are right now. Excited for for going into the um, Big Ten series this weekend with Penn State, and then again, like you were talking about, Nebraska on Tuesday with a doubleheader. Coach, it's great to see you again. It's uh, I I was so excited to watch your team play out in Palm Springs, especially after you threw Jalen Adams, a, a true freshman, against UCLA, and then and then you th- you threw her again against Texas. Um, what just the poise that she has as a true freshman, what can you say about her? Oh, just, she wants the ball. You know, we're, we're so excited. She, her mom was her coach in high school, um, very competitive high school program at Fort Dodge, Iowa, um, won state championships. Um, she just, she's the kind of player that, that you love having on the mound. Cause she, um, you know, first thing she says when she knows she's, we're going up against Texas goes, coach, I want the ball. I want the ball. And that's what you want out of a pitcher. You know, if you, you want someone that has that's fearless and um, putting her in the UCLA game, seeing how well she did, just how she's fired up, how they play, how our team plays behind her. It's, it's just an incredible experience for her and for us to see 
you know, we've got four more years with her, which is exciting. You talk about Jalen Adams wanting the ball. It's got to be a fight when you discuss who's going to start a game for you. You've got four pitchers that have thrown around 30 innings and, mm-hmm. and you've thrown six different pitchers. How do you parse out all that work with, with the pitching staff that seems like you've got quite a few options? Yeah, I, well, I, I rely on on Mandy Gardner for all that, <laughs> you know. So, um, you know, I've, I've been pitching coach for over over twenty five years, and Mandy came in with the program. I had Rick Dillinger last year did a fantastic job for us, um, and being able to hand that over to Mandy's hands has been incredible. She she has the pitchers um, believing in themselves, um, really working hard. They're probably um, some of the hardest working um, athletes we have on our team right now. Um, so she's got them going. She she gets them understand what it's like to be competitive, um, what it's like to to be able to throw your best pitch and in, in the in the best counts. And um, she teaches them not to be to be nervous, you know, to relax and throw your game and um, trust in her and what she's calling. She does a, a great job of uh, the scouting reports on all the players that all the teams that we're, we're facing against. So she does a wonderful job of setting that up. So I I put all the kudos to Mandy on on getting the pitchers ready. And it is, I mean, having, having four, you know, even five, I think you see Emma in there a little bit too, having a few innings. Um, she came out strong even this last weekend through, through some good games for us. So um, we're looking really, you know, four, four to five strong um, going into the Penn State series, which is, is nice having three game series instead of five on a weekend. Um, we got some, some leverage there going into the weekend. You talk about the job that Mandy's done with your pitchers. I want to highlight Brianna Vasquez for a minute because if we look at what she did last year, she finished the year six and fourteen with an ERA of over four and a half. Mm-hmm. And this season she's nine and two with an ERA of under one and a half. What has been the biggest change in her and what has helped really with her turnaround? I, I think this it, it, what we talked about. I think it's just her believing in herself. You know, Bree's always had the capabilities of being, uh, you know, top program. Uh, I actually recruited her to UCF. Um, she stayed at UCF when when I took the job here at Iowa. Um, we were lucky enough that she wanted to transfer um, after junior year and, and got a chance to have two years with her. Um, but for her, it was just having confidence in her pitches, having confidence in her coaches, uh, being able to have um, knowing that her teammates have her back and. Um, I think over this year, and especially with Mandy's help and and with a very young team this year, um, she knows that that they have their back in every game that she throws. Um, um, she she has that confidence to be able to throw a pitch in any situation. Know the defense has her back on it. So I think a lot of it was you know she worked hard, no no question about it. Um, summertime she went home and worked hard, and then wintertime she came back was even stronger than she was in the fall. Um, but I think for her it was really about the confidence about. The team believing in her, uh, coaches believing in her, and and just pitching her game, um, and, and and it's wonderful. Yes, yeah, coaches, we we love seeing that. We love seeing the smile on her face. We we love knowing that she's going out there and having a blast, and um, she's she's having a, a year of her a year of her life right now. Chatting with Iowa head coach Renee Gillespie here on Behind the Plate with Marin and Nate and the Hawkeyes Open Conference play at Penn State. Uh, let's flip the the picture over to the offense and and specifically uh, uh Carter who's your leading hitter at this point in the year talk a little bit about what she brings to the table Nia Carter yeah Nia's kind of been the same same situation you know her freshman year she lit it up across the conference and and she every year she's kind of developing herself uh, with a little bit more arsenal she 
Um, she can lay down a bunt for a hit. She can um, hit behind runners. She can drive in, you know, with a double drive in runs. I mean, she just is so versatile in what she does. Um, this year, she's she just has has made a decision to, as her senior year, she just wants to have a great year, be relaxed, um, trust in herself, um, do what she needs to do for the team. And and those little changes in her mindset, you can really see how she's relaxed when she's at the plate. Um, very confident what she's doing right now. And, and you're seeing some great results on that. Even throughout the last six weekends, you know, you see her um, bunt for a hit, get on. Um, you, you see her bases loaded, second and third, and she's driving runners in. You know, she's just doing those little things right and, and having a blast doing it. You look at your team at this point, 18 and 11, you're in your fourth year as Iowa's head coach. I, I'm sorry. It, I, I'm stepping all over you, Marin. Go ahead. No, you're fine. I, you know, it's it's episode three, Nate. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Um, no, my my big question actually is about is about Delaney uh, or Denali. My bad. It, uh, I'm all thrown off now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Denali, yep. <laughs> um Anyway, she has been your run producer, right? She's mm -hmm. 29 RBIs, far and away your biggest RBI leader. What and and she can also give you innings in the circle. Like I mean, it's a, it's such a gift to have a two-way player, right? And I feel like over the last couple of years having two-way players is just it just sets you apart. So what can you say about her, her run production and being able to step in the circle when you need her? Yeah, she here's another Iowa, Iowa, you know, grown player. I mean, she loves the University of Iowa coming in. She she's had a goal from day one of being all American. Um, she understands how hard that is to do, and um, she understands that she has to be able to be more than just a hitter, more than just a pitcher. So um, she's taken upon herself to to really um, develop herself as a top athlete. Um, like you said, we've got some great innings from her on the mound, but. Hidden wise, she's she's a tough out. You know, I, I think it's it's hard to walk her. You know, she's been a lot of people try to walk her and they they have one mistake and she's taking it over the fence. Um, she she's very tough out. And and when you see her and, and the way that she plays, she's um, she's a force. You know, when you talk about having a player where you can have one player change the course of the game, she's that player um, with one swing. She can she can totally change the, the game for us. And so we're excited that she she understands and kind of takes that role. You know, she's hitting four in the in the lineup for us, and has been producing, like you said, throughout the entire season. And um, I, I just with all these players, you know, you, you just see that they are really enjoying playing. They're they're understanding their role as as a team. Um, they're they're fighting for each other. They're fighting for the program. And and Denali is kind of that leader for us. You know, you see her out there and she just wants it. She wants the win. She wants to be competitive. She wants to be able to bring the runs in. And, and she's been doing that all season long. Chatting with Renee Gillespie, the head coach of the Iowa Hawkeyes here on Behind the Plate. And uh, coach, you mentioned that uh, Lecker is an Iowa uh, girl and you also have several Iowa players. Mm -hmm. Obviously, every team begins their recruiting with their in-state picture. In recent years, before your tenure, great players have left the state of Iowa and gone mm -hmm. on to success elsewhere in the Big Ten, even nationally. What's the key for you in terms of closing the borders in the state of Iowa to where you can use that home ta homegrown talent 
to build your program back up to where it was in the late 90s and early 2000s? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that that was our our number one goal coming in uh, to taking over this program was, you know, Gail Blevins did that in the late 90s, 2000s. She had a majority of her players from were from Iowa. She um, won several regionals, um, Big Ten championships, and then she's been in the World Series, you know, and you see what she did with the program back then and how she used the Iowa players to, to be able to um, get a base of her program. Um, we knew that that's where we had to go. And, and it was hard to watch so many Iowa players, great players that are playing for Minnesota, playing for Missouri, playing for Texas, playing for, you know, Florida. I mean, they were just, if we had those players at Iowa when I took over, it would be in the World Series. I mean, that's how talent, how much talent we have in Iowa. So being able, like you said, is, is lock down the borders and get the best players out of Iowa to stay in Iowa was our biggest challenge. Um, and not having a winning program with it, it was tough at first. You know, you want to go where people are winning. And, and for, for us to get some of those top players out our first year was, was a tough task. Um, but like Denali, you know, um, you look at uh, Tori Bennett at, at shortstop and, and Hannah Streff at second base, both freshmen, both Iowa kids. You know, they're they're solidifying our, our base. Um, you got uh, Doster that's behind the plate as a as a pit, as a catcher. And she's also a Fort, Fort Dodge kid. And, and so we we worked really hard to try to keep those top players in Iowa. And and you're seeing the result of that. You know, Denali's the, the one of our top leaders and she's bringing in the players from Iowa. Now you're seeing us win. You're seeing us um, developing back to where we were back in the 90s and 2000s. So. We're, we're getting those players now. You know, we have Jenna Young that's coming in from Winterset. You know, we're excited about her. She's the number one shortstop in the state of Iowa. You know, so we're, we're getting those players and we're starting to get that base down. But that was absolutely our number one goal is, is lock down those borders and keep those Iowa top, top 1% of those Iowa players in Iowa. And we're seeing great results because of that. How different is it to recruit these Iowa kids? Because I, I, I'm a high school coach here in Nebraska, and it's 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 different. Iowa high school plays in the summer. So you have some kids that, that choose to play high school ball over travel ball or vice versa. So how, how different is it for you to recruit some of these kids that are homegrown talent knowing, you know, are they playing high school ball? Are they playing travel ball? Like, how does this, how does it work? Yeah. I mean, I, for, for me, and I, I'm very open about that. I want them to play high school. You know, I want them to play through high school. To me, it's, it's very important that you support your community. And, and in Iowa, if, if we don't support our community, we won't have sports in Iowa. You know, we've got small towns that are like multi-sport athletes and you have to be able to play multi-sports in order to have the sport at that high school. I mean, I graduated in Danville with 54 kids in my class. If you didn't play every sport, you didn't have that sport. You know, so I, I try to encourage that. It's, it's like, yes, the summer ball, you get a chance to get seen. We have a fall season and, and you know, instead of summer ball, there's a fall season that they can go out and play travel ball. Um, but I, I really do encourage that. It's We don't want to lose sports in Iowa because we're going all summer league. And I know a lot of programs, California is that way too. A lot of players don't play for the high school. They just play in the summer league. So I, I try to encourage that. It's, it's, it doesn't matter how how bad your high school team may be. You can make it better. You know, you can, you can start and, and develop that yourself by just staying with your high school. So I have a passion about that. That message is, stay with your community. You know, your community is what's back to your whole life. And, and I love the summer league programs. I think coaches are doing a great job with that. 
but we need to be able to keep our, our players playing for high school so we can keep them in Iowa. One more. That's the stuff I, I, I go for you. You know, it's oh, same yeah. thing, farming communities. It's a, it's a tough, tough job. Yeah. The weather, the weather doesn't help here either. No. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll get you out on this. Uh, you start out with Penn state this week and then Nebraska mm-hmm. two good teams. And especially in the case of Penn state, a great pitching staff. Uh, how prepared do you feel your, your hitters are for the challenge against two great pitching staffs like that to begin conference play? Yeah. Well, we got two days to prepare for it. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, it, it's interesting. We, for these last six weeks, we're, we're planning for five teams every weekend, five different teams every weekend. So it's a, it's a, it's tasking. And then this last week we were in Florida for 10 days and played 10 games, 10 different games. So it's like preparing for that many teams, it's going to feel like a breeze now. You know, we've got sure. one team to focus on, um, making sure that our next two practices on are on two pitchers and not 10 different pitchers that we're trying to figure out how to, how to go up against. So I, I think being able to get into the big 10 and play and, and, and really just focusing on what that team has um, they have the same information on us that we have on them. So it's, it's just going to be a, a coaching challenge, you know, who's, who's going to prepare their kids best for, for what we have. And, um, you know, she's done a great job at Penn State. We, we look across the board with Maryland and Rutgers, Penn State, you know, Michigan State. They're all developing their programs and, and are growing. And you can see the records across the Big Ten are, are solid. Um, I'm excited about that. You know, we want that Big Ten to be um, one of the top conferences in the country so um the, the coaches that are in there right now are doing that uh, so it's going to be a challenge we're, we're looking forward to it and I, I think between Penn State and of course Rhonda at Nebraska you know she's she did an incredible job of winning the conference championship last year and and getting her team um playing like they, they're expected to play you know they just did a great job you know going to regionals so um it's going to be tough but we're excited about only focusing on <laughs> one team for the weekend yeah little little easier to say the least well hey we appreciate your time uh giving us a little time as you get ready uh for big 10 play and thanks for joining us here on behind thank you and and brian levan says hi so thank oh. you for <laughs> supporting say, us and supporting iowa say hi i'll say hi to him back i know i gave him a little <laughs> phone call on my way in this morning just to, yeah. to say hi but he's been a great addition to your staff as well oh my coaching staff is is top notch yeah he's he's brought a lot of um, you know, su- support for me, which has been great, you know, um, here, military man coming out, um, 20 years in the, in the army and special forces. I mean, just incredible, just his, his demeanor and, and his love for these players, his love for Christ. I mean, it's, it's been incredible to have him part of our, our team. And then man, you coming in and just, it, it's the best. And I've got, uh, Aaron that's with us, a volunteer assistant coach that coached high school here in, in Iowa. So, you know, with our staff, it's just exci- it's very exciting to see where we're going to go with this year. Well, best of luck to you, and you, I hope to see you at some point this season. <laughs> That's a deal. Home, hopefully. Come yes. out to Nebraska. Come to oh, Iowa. I'll come visit you. Okay. <laughs> yes, right. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. You Thanks. bet. Take care. Thank you, Coach. Renee Gillespie had a terrific run at UCF and now trying to rebuild the Iowa program. And uh, she mentioned the Gail Blevins era, and, and we've brought it up a couple of times that that Iowa was among the top programs in the Big Ten Conference. Uh, then Gail's career wound down. They hire Marla Looper, and she just wasn't really a fit there. And, and, and I think alienated some Iowa folks, which is why 
There was such a talent drain in that area. And now Renee Gillespie is tasked with rebuilding all of that. And and she has made some ground in that pursuit. Yeah. And I think about some of these players that have come out of the state of Iowa. The, the first two names that come to mind of recent, uh, Kendall Lindemann. Oh, yes. Uh, Molly Jacobson. Mm-hmm. Um, those are just the two names that stand out Chelsea to me. Chelsea Thomas from so, Missouri. The, oh, my goodness. That's yeah. a, that's a throwback. Uh, <laughs> that's a few years ago, but yeah, but uh, yes, Lindemann going to Minnesota and then to Florida. I mean, that's a national level player that they lost. Yes, absolutely. And then Jacobson, she, she went to DMAC for her first two years mm-hmm. and then ended up at Ole Miss and then ended up at Texas. But it's still like you, you look at some of these, these players that have come out of the state of Iowa and you're like, man, if only they stayed home. Right. What could have been? Absolutely. And, and it troubles you a little bit that 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 they do leave Iowa and and, you know, that the feeling that Nebraskans have about the Huskers, I think, is pretty similar to the feeling that Iowans have about the Hawkeyes. I mean, of course, there are Iowa Staters there, but uh, the, the fact that so many players left that area and you look around, Minnesota got great as a result. Wisconsin was built up because of it. Uh, Nebraska has been able to get a couple of players. I mean, Kaylin Kinney is a top-notch player when she's healthy. So uh, it, it it has been a double whammy, really, for Iowa softball in the sense that they're losing these players and they're all going to programs around them. And again, Renee Gillespie trying to reverse that trend. Yeah, but you also mentioned, you know, how the same thing happens in Nebraska too. I mean, the amount of talent that comes out of the two States of Iowa and Nebraska is absolutely ridiculous. And I think I, I say that confidently because when we look at who's leading the NCAA right now in certain categories, they're from this, they're from these two States. Sure. Right. Nia Carter has 49 hits. She's, she's leading the big 10 conference. She's like second overall in the NCAA. And then you look you look out the West Coast, Ruby Malin made her way up mm-hmm. to Washington. And then last night I'm watching Arkansas and Alabama and Casey Hoffman and Lauren Kamenzen are hitting in the heart of the Arkansas lineup and they're mm-hmm. both from Omaha. So I'm I mean, then there's Jordy Ball, right? Right. There's Jordy Ball's like, her own category. I mean, that's the that's her own thing. But I look around at all of this talent that comes from these two states and I'm like, man. If they just stayed home. Sure. And there's an immense uh, passion for softball that that has been somewhat overshadowed by the great volleyball that's been played, at least here in Nebraska. I was its own animal, but especially here in the state of Nebraska, volleyball has gotten the attention and deservedly so. Yes. The the Huskers have won national championships. Uh, Creighton and Omaha at the D1 level have been great. And really, you know, top to bottom, whether it's Midland or, uh, you, you know, UNK, Hastings, whatever, uh, even the lower level colleges have been great. And notably, great players have left the state of Nebraska and gone on to play D1 elsewhere. But there's just so much volleyball talent that, of course, Nebraska sustains. But the fact is that the volleyball success overshadows what's been built in softball as well. And and there is more talent uh, than I think 
people realize that that's from the state. And uh, fortunately, Ronda Ravel has been able to get a good amount of that talent and, and raise Nebraska's profile. I mean, Billy Andrews is an in-state kid and, and Brooke has played well lately, just to, to name two off the top of my head. But uh, there is more talent here than I think the state gets credit for it. And the same is true with Iowa. Uh, and, and it's important. I mean, your your recruiting philosophy, I think, usually begins with close down your borders. It right. doesn't matter the sport, doesn't matter the program. Close your borders, best players in your state, go play for your team. Yeah, and it's interesting to hear Coach Gillespie talk about her, her thoughts on her kids playing high school ball compared mm-hmm. to travel ball because when, when I think about travel ball here, uh, Nebraska Gold – won a national championship a couple years ago with this heavy loaded roster of local Nebraska talent mm-hmm. um, that Jordy ball Ruby were both on that team, but there were 12 division one players on that mm. national championship roster. And they're all over the place that not all of them stayed home. Sure. And so when you look at that, you're like, man, softball here. It's so good. And I am so, I feel so lucky to be in the position I'm in, mm-hmm. not only talking about the sport, but also being involved with it and coaching and seeing it firsthand. Sure. Because then I'm able to see, man, holy moly. I know I missed Ruby by a year. Thank goodness. <laughs> because I, I coach in the same conference as Scott. Right. So I was like, oh, okay. I escaped that. So, yeah. um, but Barnard. Sure. Addie Barnard from from Beatrice and and she's had a terrific career at Wichita and uh, her sister's going down to play for the Shockers. And um, they've they've certainly built something there. Of course, being a Beatrice grad, I take pride in in what the city of Beatrice and and that high school has been able to do as a program first off and then the players going on to nebraska and elsewhere of course alicia armstrong on the college world series team about a decade ago my god decade ago (laughs) 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 and then just historically uh uh, through the years kids have come out of beatrice which is a small you know it's a town of twelve thousand people and yet they've been able to make a dent at the division one level well we move on to the big ten and oh the boy. Big Ten power rankings. And, you know, I, I, I left it out where I've had Iowa in, in our power rankings. And I, I think that was a little cagey on my part. But, uh, you know, I, I think Renee would understand maybe not having them first or second. Well, yeah. Uh, how, however. <laughs> however. Maybe, however. Maybe I've had them low. Maybe, maybe I haven't. Maybe they've but, been a little too low on your radar. Well, we, we shall see. Hey. The rubber meets the road in Big Ten play, and uh, of course that begins this weekend. So, you know, we get to confirm or uh, have refuted mm-hmm. our, our mm-hmm. assumptions and our beliefs about the conference. All right, Marin, you want to lead off with uh, your top three or four in the Big Ten? Well, kudos to you for sticking with Northwestern. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> yes, go on. Oh man, well. <laughs> Let's go ahead. Mm-hmm. I've had Northwestern at three the past couple weeks. Yep. And now I'm like, man, here they are. So let's go ahead and move them up. Sure. So Northwestern, 
Maryland, Nebraska, Minnesota. Okay. Uh, my first two are identical. Northwestern four and one. Maryland goes three and one last week. They lose at Texas Tech, but avenge it. Um, I feel a little vindicated on the Northwestern um, uh, placement, uh, but no disrespect to Maryland. And I mean, you know, Lubbock, Texas is the end of the earth. And the fact that they went down there and went three and one and split, I'm not troubled by the fact that they didn't win both of them. So uh, I've got the Terps second. Number three is Ohio State. And, and, oh. and, and I feel like maybe I'm buying into them a little too much. Uh, they won undefeated last weekend against a pretty easy schedule. But, uh, you know, it, it's just one of those deals where they haven't lost. And, and they're on a 10-game winning streak. Right. And they won eight last week. I don't know that they have a good win on their on their resume yet. I, I don't – there's not a win that they've put on that, that sticks in my mind as a quote-unquote good win or great win. But they just win, baby. <laughs> and, and you just win, and and you keep floating up the rankings. So I bumped them up to two, and then I put Minnesota fourth. And and, and maybe I'm buying, maybe I'm a little recency bias with the Gophers. I had them there too. It's, okay, I see what you're seeing. But yeah, they I bumped them up four spots because they beat Wichita State, uh, and and that's. That carries some weight with me. Yes. Like, we've talked quite a bit about Wichita State. I think the Shockers uh, have put together a good year. They're a good team. They're going to win the American. And the fact that they were able to go down there and win a game uh, is pretty notable to me. So I, I bumped Minnesota to fourth. I'm still not entirely sold on their pitching staff. Still not entirely sold on them. But the fact of the matter is, especially the last couple of weeks they've achieved. So I've got them four. Okay. So now I'm going to ask you, yeah. if you're, if you're high up on Ohio state winning 10 games in a row, high, how high is Indiana winning 12? I mean, that's a lot of wins. <laughs> that, that, that's a lot of wins. And I, I've got Indiana quite a ways down my list. And, and, you know, it's one of those deals where maybe I'm just not quite ready to move them into that upper echelon you know seven big 10 teams made regionals last mm -hmm. year and then i've kind of had identified as penn state and maryland as the next two mm -hmm. so i feel like that's been a shelf and i haven't been able to put indiana above that shelf okay. yet because i don't feel like they've had that sort of win that tells me they're ready to be a regional team. So they're okay. a ways down the list for me. Okay. Though they had a good week. Don't they get did. me wrong. They did. They've won 12 games in a row. They've they've had a couple of good <laughs> weeks in a row. All right. So we covered our okay. first four. What do you have? Okay. Five through eight. Five through eight. I have. See, now is when I have Ohio State, mm -hmm. Penn, okay. Penn State, and Wisconsin. Okay. All right. So I, I've got the Huskers at five. Uh I don't know if you could tell, but I was a little disappointed about that Kansas loss. You were. <laughs> uh, and I feel like there are ample opportunities for Nebraska to turn uh, turn things around. You know, the, the series against Purdue, uh, the doubleheader at Iowa, then the big weekend series next weekend against Michigan. And though the Wolverines are a little bit down from where they've been, it's still Michigan. So 
the Huskers have five games to ramp themselves up for that series. If the weather's good, the crowds are going to be great again, because of the brand name. Um, and so it's an opportunity for Nebraska to get things right. I've got the Huskers at five Wisconsin. I've got six and, and this may even feel a little low, but I couldn't bump them up mm-hmm. last week because they didn't play. They didn't play. And, yep. and, and I'm surprised by that scheduling philosophy by Yvette Healy to give the Badgers essentially a week and a half off right before Big Ten play. I would think you would want to be at your absolute sharpest. You would want to be in a rhythm. Uh, I'm sure it was a spring break deal, and she figured, well, we, we've got to – they've been at it for six weeks. We've got to send them home. But Wisconsin was playing pretty well. Yeah. And and they they break off their season now. I don't know that that's the best preparation for them for Big Ten play, but they're at six. I'm not so sure that isn't a little low, but you know you also don't know what you're going to get when they come off that break. Now they go to uh, East Lansing this weekend, so you feel like that's an opportunity to get right. But there again, they need to get right. Uh, and then I've got Illinois at seven and, you know, the Illini were kind of my riser last week and they fall this week. They only played three games. They were one and two, but they weren't terribly competitive against Missouri. And, and so that tells me, you know, if you're not competitive against Mizzou and, and the Tigers are toward the bottom of the top 25, you, you know, that's a step down from Northwestern, Maryland, Ohio State. So I, I had to drop the Illini a little bit to seven. And that was a doubleheader mm-hmm. against a Mizzou team that was coming off of being completely shut out in three games against Kentucky right? to open their conference play. So you felt like, okay, Mizzou is either going to come out guns a-blazing mm-hmm. or Illinois is going to steamroll them. And I felt like, yeah, I agree with you on how Illinois looked. Yeah. It was just, it was kind of flat. Yeah, it just yeah, it, and you feel bad because weather interfered with their schedule as well. Right. But at the same time, you know we've got to measure you on what got played, and yep. you know you drop a couple games to Mizzou, uh, that changes your perspective. All right, eight through eleven, what do you have? All right, now I this is where I have Illinois. Okay, okay, I can live with that. All right, Rutgers, mm-hmm. and Iowa. This is this is that range. I've had Iowa hanging out like six through eight. Um, I I probably put them at somewhere around the eight nine area right now. Mm-hmm. Um, however, they're not in that bottom bottom tier. Right. Yeah. Okay. So I've got Penn State at eight. I feel a little bad about it. I dropped them a spot. Um from last week in a three and a week. Now they, they, they didn't play terribly cu- tough competition last week. Uh, their schedule was a little screwed up due to weather, but uh, I bumped up Minnesota and had to bump a couple people up. So I dropped Penn state to eight. I've got Michigan at nine and I don't necessarily feel great about it. They competed very well with Kentucky. They did. Um, you know, I, Michigan's not a program that's in the business of moral uh, victories, but that that might be their best performance of the year in some respects. I mean, playing a team like Kentucky that tough 
you know, they're sitting at 13 and 11 coming into this week. I, I'm not. They're not scoring. Yeah. And they suffered significant losses to that lineup uh, through graduation. That's probably been the most disturbing parts that they've not hit a little better. You figured pitching would be a little erratic after losing Alex Storacco and Megan Bobian's graduation, but they, they just aren't hitting at the level at which we're, we expect. Here's where I have Indiana at 10. And again, this is one of those where my preseason biases mm-hmm. uh, are hurting Indiana. Now they've got a chance to bust through them. They play Maryland this week. Uh, Three-game series in Bloomington. All right, you want to prove that you're you're one of those teams that can that can be a regional team? Do it this week. Right. Because you've got you've got a Maryland team that's also a challenger, but a Maryland team that quite frankly has had a great non-conference season. And but you've got them at home. You're playing well as Indiana. You want to push your way into regional consideration and sort of being that sort of team. Here's your chance. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, I've been waiting to buy into Indiana. Like you said, they've won 12 in a row. That's pretty impressive, but they get their chance this weekend. Yeah, I agree with you. It's Maryland has been hot all year. If Indiana wins a series, that's a, I would say a, they don't have to sweep, just win the series, win the series. Yep. Then you'll, you'll gain a little bit more respect from me. Mm-hmm. On that, because I still have them towards the bottom. Not a knock because they're, I mean, they've won 12 in a row. I can't, yeah. I can't ignore that. However, it's who they're beating in that 12 in a yeah. row. It, it, it's a pretty easy schedule at this point. I mean, they, they beat Belmont, Northwestern State, Memphis, um, and Northwestern State, Memphis twice. Yeah. That's that's not a compelling no, schedule. And I know most, te- most teams taper off with their non-con this time of year. All right. We're to the bottom four. Who do you have? We're in the bottom four. That's Indiana, Michigan, Purdue, Michigan State. I cannot mm. believe I have Michigan in the bottom four. I never, I never thought I'd see the day where I have Michigan in the bottom four. But, like, I mean, yeah, they're just – they're not big, bad Michigan. No, they're not. Uh, Carol Hutchins' retirement changes that picture pretty significantly, and then just the losses to that roster. Still, there's a ton of talent there. I, I, I feel like I'm hanging on to Michigan higher than maybe I should. Maybe. But at, at the same time, you also wonder, all right, at some point they're going to start scoring runs, right? You would think. You would think. But uh, if they're they're sitting at thirteen and eleven, yeah. What happens if they're sitting at that point at the end of the year? Is that a Michigan team that gets into the tournament on name alone? Boy, I, they've got to do some work because quite they're not. To me, they're not a. Maybe they're a three seed. But they they're. Maybe I, I would be interested to see early season bracketology because I, I don't think they're in right now. And, and you look at how they start the big 10 at Ohio state for three mm-hmm. at Nebraska for three at Michigan state, then Illinois for three. So, you know, I don't know that they're favored in any of those three series. I don't know. And then, that. and then you go to Michigan state. Okay. You expect Michigan to beat Michigan state. Right. But other than that, 
you know, they need to go win one of those three series at Ohio State, at Nebraska, Illinois on the road, uh, at home, uh, to to push their way in to where they overcome what was a pretty disappointing non-conference schedule. I mean, yeah, I, I've you've got Michigan lower to, than me, but I think I'm still, like I said, I'm still holding on to what I think they were. Um, but they're going to have their chance to prove to me that they still are mm-hmm. uh, here in Big Ten play. Okay, Rutgers is 11 for me. Uh, six and three week for them last week. I I just don't know what to make of them. The record looks good at 23 and 10, but their schedule's been easy. It has. Uh, so, so, yeah, they've piled up some wins. And, again, not a big criticism of them of scheduling easy. That that program needs to build confidence. But I, I just i am not ready to declare them a good team. They might be a tough out in the Big Ten, but I, I just don't, I don't see it with them yet. Purdue is 12. Um, between Purdue and Iowa, it was kind of a coin flip for me. You um, have Iowa all the way down there. I do. I do. Um, the loss to Texas for the Hawkeyes doesn't trouble me. Lehigh is a decent loss, but I'm I'm still not there with the Hawkeyes. Again, maybe I've got them a touch low. I, I, do. I don't love Purdue at 12, Iowa at 13. I could go either way there. Okay. And then Michigan State at 14, they had the week off. So I I mean, yeah, Michigan State has a long way to go before they climb out of that number 14. Yeah, I I hate to say it, but, you know, Sharonda McDonald's got an uphill climb. That program's never really uh, gotten anything going. And then look at how they start Big Ten play this year. (laughs) Wisconsin (laughs) at home, three-game series. At Maryland, home game against Michigan. Then the three games home against Iowa, but then three home against Minnesota at Michigan at Illinois. Uh, that's a tough start, and, yeah. and they're they're going to have a tough time building traction in Big Ten play uh, to where they can have some confidence moving forward. So um, I hate to say it, but old Sparty might be be fourteenth for a while. Yeah, and you you. You hope that once conference play starts that your midweeks will give you a little bit of a confidence booster between mm-hmm. series. But, I mean, they've got, uh, for them, their midweeks are Michigan. Right. And Notre Dame. Yeah, Notre Dame's darn tough, too. So it's not like you get a break there. No. But should be interesting to watch. Those are our Big Ten power rankings, and I think we'll get a pretty significant shuffle in them next week after the first week of conference play. And that'll conclude episode three of Behind the Plate with Marin and Nate. Appreciate you listening in. Our thanks as well to Iowa head coach Renee Gillespie for joining, joining us. Again, thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe. Tell your friends. This is where to learn everything you need to know about Big Ten softball. Thanks for listening. A Huda Media Production.